0: Hello, hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode. Today I'm talking about what is relaxation-induced anxiety? So last time I focused on why trying to reduce anxiety can actually make anxiety worse, but today I'm gonna shift just a little bit um, and and start talking about this relaxation-induced anxiety, just in case you haven't heard of this. So for example, some people who try things like meditation, they might experience increased anxiety and even panic attacks or suicidal ideation. There's actually a huge correlation with individuals. And this is more adult research, but it's something to think about. And I know for myself, things like meditation actually do make me more stressed out and anxious. So we got to think about that. There is a huge body of research out there showing that people might feel even more anxious or depressed or panicky. So, you know, that's something that actually isn't new. It, it's something that researchers started noticing in, in the 80s. So it's not a new phenomenon, but, but maybe not something that we necessarily think about. Again, relaxation is fantastic. Mindfulness, meditation, all of those things are fantastic. But when we look at relaxation-induced anxiety, it's where being relaxed actually triggers the anxiety. So for these people where it's relaxation-induced, it's different than when I started feeling stress but for them people relaxing it's not great because it just winds them up and it triggers that fight flight alarm even more there's a lot of reasons why this might happen maybe they're worrying about thinking worrisome thoughts when they should be meditating right and then they're just getting more and more worked out because they can't meditate I mean that's more my problem is I just can't you know can't keep my monkey mind from jumping around which isn't the goal of meditating anyways right it's just being able to sit there and notice and bring your awareness back But for some, it can actually fuel their anxiety and they might start thinking more and more about those feelings or that they're going to seem lazy if they've got a lot of things. And that's another problem of mine, actually, as well. Like, I don't think I've ever just gone on a beach vacation and been able to sit on a beach. I always have my laptop with me or I'm up at four o'clock in the morning for five hours before everybody else wakes up. Right. Um, So but but there could be those things now researchers have hypothesized that when the brain relaxes and when it becomes anxious again. So there's this moment of relaxation, it's a dip, and then it's anxious again. There's such an extreme spike in emotions that the brain tries to maintain this constant state of low level anxiety to avoid those extreme up and downs. So we're just making ourselves anxious on, on purpose so that we're not fluctuating so much in our emotions, that brain, it's just trying to maintain this consistency. though so it's not, you know, It might be a protective mechanism for itself, but it's not healthy to be constantly anxious. We know what that does chronically, you know, to our health and and, and mental well-being as well. So what's better is actually experiencing and accepting those huge shifts in emotion because we start to believe that the shifts are awful and dangerous. And that's just creating more anxiety. The same thing when we're trying to focus on relaxation, it's just creating more anxiety. So anything that we're doing that's making them more anxious in the long run, is not going to be working. The other thing, too, is when we're meditating, we are far more sensitive to what's going on in our head and in our bodies. And that was something that I talked about last time, too, with that one little girl. She was so, you trying to tell her to relax. She became so sensitive to what was happening. She was more convinced for sure she was going to throw up. And so that's what ends up happening. We are just so much more sensitive and anxious kiddos are already sensitive to everything that's going on around them and in their body. So now we really have something dangerous going on. Right Now we really have something new to worry about. But but like with anything, we just need to retrain our brain to know that it's okay to have these extreme shifts in emotion. Yes. I mean, the Buddhists talk about maintaining this sort of even keel, not getting carried up and down with life. Certainly. But that's not something that in our brain that we necessarily need to maintain this constant state of anxiety. It's not great. But I actually have had a lot of teens and young women, especially Um, there are men, of course. But I just find my teens for sure doesn't matter. um, But a lot of my young women come to me for an assessment wanting to know if they've got bipolar disorder because of these extreme shifts. And now they've worked themselves up into a frenzy. They've done all this research and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder. And so then that becomes so anxiety provoking for them that there's something seriously wrong with them. And what kind of life am I going to have? And, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to have any relationships. And so then they just kind of get into this panic mode. They didn't like this feeling, and especially that feeling that they're out of control, right, because of the big ups and downs. You know, and I was just talking with a girl the other day. Some days I feel fine, but then I'll crash, and I feel awful, and then I'm anxious, and then I'm, you know, way up here just because I'm so anxious, and just all of these ups and downs. So there's a lot of feeling like they're out of control, and, of course, anxiety doesn't like that uncertainty, it needs to have predictability, right? So all of that can be really bad when, especially if they're feeling out of control and now they're feeling really vulnerable and, and if anything bad happens, I for sure won't be able to handle it because that anxiety will be too bad and now there's something seriously wrong with me mentally. And so then they try to protect themselves, which results in anxiety maintaining behaviors. So they engage in anxiety because that feels safe, because at least if they're feeling anxious, it's less surprising to them. It's l- there's less of a contrast in how they're feeling. And so they can keep themselves in this anxious state all the time so they won't be caught off guard. And that's one of those cultish traps of anxiety. I talk about anxiety like a cult leader. People who are in a cult don't necessarily know that they're in a cult, right? And if, they, if you call them out on it, they're going to get mad at you and say, you're brainwashed, right? So it's, it's one of those traps that we get caught into with anxiety that keeps us stuck and making us believe the story that I got to stay anxious because it's more predictable and that it's actually protecting us. Or, you know, the more I worry about something, it makes us feel productive that we're trying to figure something out, for example, right? And so by staying tense, staying on the lookout, they're ready for anything unexpected that might come up. But the example that I often give is, you know, when I did my first prenatal baby class, um, in that class, we had to write on cards our birth plan. So, you know, on every card, whether or not you're going to have medication, what kind of um, music you wanted, where you wanted to give birth, what position you wanted to be in, ba, 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 We had a, like a stack of 20 or 30 cards with our birthing plan. And so we took a couple hours, did out this birthing plan, then we came back as a group to share. And the nurse was like, Kate, everybody throw your cards up in the air. And it's kind of like that with anxiety. We think that we're doing something productive. We think we're doing something, you know, for I'm on the lookout, I'm going to protect myself, right? But when you're in the moment, you can never be prepared. It's never going to turn out how you thought. And even if it is exactly how you thought, it's still going to be different when you're actually there. And so the same thing, you know, every single other mom in that group or soon to be mom said they didn't want any drugs they wanted it completely natural no drugs I was the only one who's like oh hook me up like I will take whatever you can give me if I don't need to feel anything fantastic guess who was the only one who didn't get drugs I begged but I it just was so fast I didn't they laughed at me they're like huh you're not getting drugs like this baby is coming out now um every other mom had drugs And that was the one thing, you know, if everyone could hold on to one thing, that was a big one for a lot of those moms, but they couldn't do it. So we just never know when we're actually in the situation. I actually had one young woman with pretty severe OCD, but a lot of it was about things like karma. So it wasn't about something that, you know, within the next hour, I would know if I was safe or not, it was really karma. So she was worrying about things she does now to prevent bad things from happening sometime in the future for herself or her family in in their lifetime. Cause she'd be like, well, Caroline, what happens if in 60 years this happens? That could be because of what I did now. Oh, like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you were going to think everything that happens, trauma is going to happen. People are going to die at some point. But it's really, really hard for her because as soon as something does happen, or if someone gets hurt or is in an accident or someone dies, which is ine- inevitable, she could always look back and say it was because of this moment. And she's holding on to that anxiety and she sees it as a protective factor to ensure that nothing bad happens. And she literally, I don't want to give too much details away, but she would literally have, you know, a charm I don't have any charms here. I've got a fork on my desk here. You know, she would hold on to that and always make sure she had it so she could rub it however many times the minute she might have cursed or done something. So she believed this was preventing, again, it's one of those safety behaviors preventing anything from bad from happening. So it's really hard when we've got those clients where it's, you know, something that could happen in the future. So letting go can be really, really hard because there's this belief that I am keeping everyone safe. And so we hold on to that anxiety. And we keep that constant baseline of anxiety. But doing so makes her feel awful. We think it's helping or they think it's helping. And we think that it's being productive or being uh, protective. But it feels awful. And she's not protecting everything that she possibly can. She's not making herself feel better. She's actually letting her life slip by her. And that's the hard part. So maintaining... That constant state of anxiety can be really harmful. So they need to learn, just like with anxiety, that it's okay. This is not dangerous. Having these extreme from calm to the 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 anxiety piece, um, you know, the the huge shifts in in emotion, it's not dangerous. It's normal. This is how our brain works. It's how it's trying to protect itself, not knowing that there isn't actually a real threat. So you got to teach your brain otherwise. So it's okay to relax. Again, not as the outcome. If you listened to last week's episode, you would know for us, focusing on relaxation as an outcome is problematic, especially in the midst of anxiety. But it's about being able to experience that emotional roller coaster. So if we're going to work on relaxation, it's being able to work on that roller coaster of emotions. That's way better than just trying to stay anxious all the time. It's better to learn how to ride that roller coaster and go with the flow. And by doing so, you're going to retrain your brain that you've got this. This is part of life, part of human experience. And so here, relaxing, is it's actually pretty important to learn. That they can handle those emotional shifts again it's always coming back to what does this kiddo at this particular point in time need to learn it's all about what they need to learn and how we need to rewire their brain so here relaxation is important and again it's important for all of us anyway so that our body can rest and repair itself to stay healthy but for these people relaxing even if it makes them feel bad That's important. So it can become tolerable. So even if relaxing is anxiety provoking, you can handle it. So that's something really important to think about, right? It's it's, it's focusing on what the lesson is that we need to learn and not saying that relaxation in and of itself is bad, but just looking at it not being the outcome, like I talked about last week, but now being able to ride that roller coaster if we are going to be working on that. And so one of the things, you know, researchers called this contrast avoidance, which is happening. So the contrast in the different emotions, right? So if you've got anxiety, there's a this sharp spike in negative emotions. So they they just want to maintain that anxiety. So that's kind of where that came from. So I'll leave it there for today. I think it's a lot for us to kind of think about. There's a lot of things that we could be thinking about. I mean, um, I think we'll go into a little bit more of this to some of the context. You know, sometimes there's a triggering situation that's created a lot of fear, for example. Um, But we'll be getting into quite a bit of that in future sessions. So thank you for joining me today. And I will see you next time. Thank you.